are listening to the Future Hero Podcast. My name is Baxter. And thank you for letting me inside. This beautiful music you're hearing right now is subaqueous. And this is a song called Invoking. an album called Emerge. I'd like to thank now Subaqueous for letting me use and use his music, Isaac Kotek. I've really enjoyed all of it. We're gonna actually go from this song to a another later album called Recreate. If you're new to this podcast, I like to play music in the background to give you a little accompaniment with not just my voice, but with the music of my friends to help you get through wherever you're taking this podcast. And I hope that you're moving while you're listening to it, but that's up to you. That movement has certainly changed my life. It's a part of my day-to-day, and I honestly think without it, I would go even crazier than I already am. This is the second podcast I've done. I got here to this point by being a movement teacher for the last 10 years, and I I've had the honor and the pleasure of going around the country and Canada and other parts of the world teaching a movement form. And it's based on that experience of teaching people that has given me information that I feel like people should hear. just as you should hear all kinds of information, I feel like there's an insight that I'm seeing that I would like to offer to all the other insights of the world. One of those insights that I've had so far is that If people really are honest with themselves, and if they really can come away from feeling like a victim of bad luck, then you kind of see that there's an inner hero, that there's something inside of that person that's greater than the form before us. That future self, that future hero, is a growing or dying entity. And that when we give our attention to it, it grows. And when we take our attention away from it, it dies. But in the process of dying, it sends us guilt 
and anguish and angst. Because the future hero doesn't want to die easily. Like a flower that feels bound to bloom. That's the hero self. And this podcast is dedicated and about encouraging those of you that choose to be in the character of your higher self. The self you haven't seen, the world hasn't seen, but the self that you think you can make seen. And it's called Hero because it's going to take heroic efforts for that to happen. This podcast isn't for the person that stumbles on old people in the water and pulls them out. I mean, it could be. But this is for more of the day-to-day heroic challenges. Like saying you're sorry. Getting over your ego. Oh, that's nice. So this is the second album. This is Recreate. It's a beautiful album. It's got all kinds of sounds on it, nice vocals. So one of my first questions that I got after I put up episode one was a question about why I had categorized my podcast in spirituality in iTunes. Most people found it through SoundCloud, but it it is up on iTunes and it's in the category of spirituality. And someone said that they understood that there was perhaps like guidance, but that it was more counseling and and less spirituality, and that the word spirituality was a bit of a turnoff. And I completely understand. If you're like most people, well, I don't want to say most people, but many of us, many of you, might have scars of a release of a belief system that you were able to unensnarl yourself from and you, because you have those scars you uh, are quite timid about words like spirituality and all the fluff that surrounds that word today and I completely understand But for you to understand why I put this in spirituality, you have to understand how I see the word spirituality. Because I had gone to college, as a lot of people do, fresh out of high school, and with basically no idea what I was going to do, I just essentially was following a girl to college. It was the default thing to do for me. And I struggled in the classes just as I had in high school because they completely disinterested me. And then I uh, had an opportunity to sign up for a religious studies class. 
and I think I decided to go like all in. And so I think I took three uh, religious studies courses. Uh, and one of them was a survey of uh, three or four different, uh, I guess, Eastern traditions. One was early Christianity. And then one was uh, Gnosticism. And I went on to take uh, a few others while I was still there at that school. But as we studied those religions, um, it was actually the study of them that really kind of uh, put me in touch with my own understanding of, of what spirituality is. Because as you study these uh, world religions and our own religion and its roots, you really begin to understand that those of that faith are living in a type of context. That they are living within an invisible understanding of how things are. A context. And that context is built out of a lot of things, shared history and tradition and ritual. But they are in that context. And so, in many cultures, even in America, uh, obviously, the a culture and the spirituality or the religions, if they're the same thing in that culture, they are so intertwined that to understand the people of that place, you really have to understand their spirituality. And then if you've ever traveled to a country, another country or another place, you know that you don't really get it. You don't really understand that place. You don't really touch and feel that place until you live there until you have lived there, until you have woken and fallen asleep many times there. And when, when that happens, then the spirit of that city is within you. You know what it means to be a New Yorker. You know what it means to be a Southerner, a Northerner, a Midwesterner, or what have you. It's the same thing in spirituality. If you're going to study a belief system, then you have to kind of be there in that belief system. You know, the old Christian thing, you know, without the spirit of God in your heart, the Bible is just a book. So with spirituality being context for me, and part of the reason that I'm here on this microphone, is that when I, uh, I come from the hoop dance world, and when I got good enough that I could, uh, that people have seen me online and um, heard about some of the stuff that I was doing and saying, that they would invite me out, and so I would travel out 
and uh, visit with these people in cities I had never been to, but just heard about. And some cities had positive, I had positive connotations with and some quite negative. And before this happened and before I like went out, just to be honest with you, I have to say that I wasn't a huge people person. Like I had worked with the public and I liked them, but I had always seen them as customers. And that distance uh, allowed me to put them into folders and to organize them in my mind. And so based on what someone, I was a bartender one time, and based on how people, what people would order or what they would wear, they would be identified. And then I wouldn't be seeing them anymore. I'd be seeing every other person that I've ever identified that way. And so I had kind of a bitter take. It was funny because outwardly I think I was nice, but inwardly I was kind of bitter because I felt very isolated in my country and uh, being a uh, kind of a peacenik, I was sort of resentful of some of my governmental, uh, the governmental decisions, especially militarily, that were coming out. And so when I went out to these communities, though, and I started meeting the people, and they were all really cool, and they were uh, beautiful in a light way, capital L, light way. And I realized that they, uh, this was going to get complicated, that my uh, sort of simplistic way of organizing people and putting people into bad guy and good guy costumes and very few good guys, that it had gotten complicated. And that these people, like, there might be one thing that I don't agree with about them, but there were nine that I agreed with uh, almost soulfully. And so it really changed the context of the way that I saw the world and the way that I saw people. And I, I'm a big evidence guy, and I, and I just had to realize that I had enough evidence now that I actually loved America <laughs> because all the Americans I had met were all cool and that I was smart enough to know that whenever you meet one person of a community, you're not meeting the whole community. In fact, if the community is really big, you can meet a hundred people and not really meet that community. And so my context really changed to where suddenly I realized that I was surrounded by cool people. And I don't mean like cool, like they wore the right things. They were just people I admired. And they would say funny things. And, and they would share their stories. And sometimes they were painful stories. But it was endearing. That their willingness to, to share um, kind of encouraged me to share. And then once I started sharing of myself, I, I really realized that uh, just how much I had wanted to love them. And that going through my life, that I had really wanted to love the people. I had only pushed them away because I was shy and artistic and freaky and I thought they wouldn't understand this is nice 
so as I recognized that I wanted to love them, then I wanted to be loved back. And when I thought about that, I thought about, well, what do I want them to fall in love with? And that feeling of love gave me a a sort of safe feeling to be more who I was. To be less of my personality. And to be in my authenticity. And that by being in my authenticity, that, that this wanting to love and wanting to be loved was giving me the, the safety to be authentic and I know that that sounds kind of backwards but a lot of times people don't want to be who they are because they're seeking approval and that's not what I was seeking I wasn't seeking their approval or their like or their thumb up I wanted to love them I wanted to make myself available to qualities in them that I appreciate that bring out the love in me. And so human connection went from something that I avoided to a sustaining spiritual practice. And I'm not alone, and I bet you're like me. But this path that I'm talking on about wanting to love people and wanting them to love you is not how the world is cut. And the world is just not made for that. Not by us, anyway. so because of that we struggle and I really believe that that's what we all have in common our belief systems are different and maybe we have maybe there are many gods but however many gods there are and how many of our belief systems we have in a sense they're all watching over or guiding through or whatever one struggle and that is the struggle that begins when you take that first breath and until the point that you take that last one. And you are fooling yourself if you think something as silly as money is going to take away the struggle. I have met people of all, well, within reason, all of the economic reaches and It's just as bad with five zeros in the checking account as one. Life is just that way. 
life is bigger than what money can buy. And so we all struggle. And in the process of changing my context and, and falling in love with people, I really realized that some of these people had gone through really major things. That they had experienced um, horrible things. And they had come through them. And that they had emerged from this thing. And it was inspiring. And then, you know, I'm, I'm an, you know, I like to write as well. And I, and I saw them as, as characters. And when a character goes through an amazing ordeal and comes out the other end, they're a hero. They're a hero. Or at least in my eyes, they're a hero. One thing, regardless of whatever belief system you have or don't have, whatever order you bring or disorder you allow into the, your context, one thing that I have noticed that helps ease the struggle, or at least it takes away what we add to the struggle. So you can look at it either way. It's a gain either way. But one of the things that can ease the struggle, avoid the struggle, or some of the struggle, is our own authenticity. That our sense of ourself. And by self, I don't mean the ego right now. By self, I don't mean your emotional state. And I'm not going to get esoteric, but I don't even mean your body. Because what I mean is your truth. And that your authenticity is like your faithfulness to your truth. It's almost like a um, relationship that you might have with someone. How true are you to that person, in this case, your truth? And realizing, if you can, that your truth might actually be who you are. It might actually be the closest idea that you have to who you are, is this moment and what you deem to be true in this moment in this moment. And so what is true to you when you are in high school may no longer be true to you when you are 40, but you could have been authentic the whole time. Because authenticity is your faithfulness to your truth in the now, where you are now, as much as you can discern it to be. It is your truth, and it is your authenticity. And so much 
hardship is put on us socially by being away from our authenticity. And the reasons can be for plenty of good reasons. But when we create this, any utterance, I don't even want to call it a lie, that's kind of harsh, but any utterance that doesn't necessarily reflect our authenticity or isn't remotely close to our our authentic feeling or some authentic desire or nature, then it comes off as disingenuous. And it comes off as lacking this necessary magnetism to its energy to pull people into you. Instead, it almost repels them. It's like you've reversed the magnet by being inauthentic, and it pushes people away. Some people, when you push them away, their immediate instinct is to crowd you and come back, and that can drive you crazy. And then some people, when you push them away by being inauthentic, you scare them away like a bird, and they just take off. Being in your authenticity, being faithful to your truth, doesn't mean that you're not going to experience conflict. In fact, you probably will. But it means that you don't have to go back and pretend that you were telling the truth when you weren't, and then create a whole other situation that's based on a mistruth, a lie, as you try to explain. Our human animals are smart. And it's like, we can kind of tell when someone is being inauthentic. And it creates this kind of distance. My belief right now in this culture is that so many people are acting inauthentic that we don't even want to look each other in the face anymore. Because we see their inauthenticity, or at least we perceive it, and it makes us feel awkward in ours. We feel like we're dancing this dance of not us with another person that's dancing a dance of not them. Finding your authenticity can be kind of tough. Finding your truth can be kind of tough. But as I said before, I really believe that your authenticity is based on your truth in the now. In the now. And because of that, and I think there's, there are movement ways to get there. Anytime you move your body, especially if you can do any type of movement that's not necessarily competitive, where you don't have to strategize, but that where you can just move. And if you can just dance or move long enough, improvisational movement will show up. And it will feel as if... Uh, something is coming through you I actually think that what the feeling is is your authenticity your body's truth what it knows emerging and what it knows is what it likes and what it enjoys doing and your body will begin to move in a way that will either be therapeutic to it or be perhaps expressive or but there's a there's a truth if we let the body, if we can just relax into the moment, in, the, in my world we call it flow. You are um, in flow, you are moving improvisationally. Even though you're moving through potential technique, um, the order and the sequencing and things like that is, is new. And when you go through that experience and you know, with whatever, you just move authentically, it is like it 
sets your mind into this understanding that uh, it can, it's like the body feels like it's authentic. If this makes sense, that it's authentic. And that, like, like when the body is relaxed, it relaxes the mind. And it's the same thing there. And so it's like when the body, like, I don't know if you've ever, yeah, I'm sure you probably know what I'm talking about. If you've gone for a run or something like that, you, you, when you're finished, you're very much, unless your mind is running games, you're, you're, you, can, you feel like you're in your body. And this can be a good way to feel, to place yourself in that place. And then when the mind is in that place, then the mind can start to ask things like, is this me? And this is a great way, I think, to find your truth. Is to be, is this me? And is this moment, is my participation in this moment, is this me? Am I having fun? Is this nurturing me or whatever? And then if it's not, that's your truth talking. And if it's something that like, you know, you feel like, you know, it's something that you're maybe not enjoying, but you should be there. Well, if what's making you feel like you should be there is the love that you have for some person or the respect that you have for some person or whatever, whatever you have, then that is still being authentic. Because you're authentic to your truth. It's not a social contract, but sometimes social contracts require that we go through some icky thing or that we have to not necessarily, you know, reflect our true emotion. And we and people will talk about that being inauthentic. If why we are doing it ties somehow to our truth, like I really don't want to sit here this long, but I love that person that's about to walk across the stage then you are being authentic and you should probably smile even if you don't want to because that love that's motivating you to sit there wants to bloom in all the kind of ways. Love always wants to go big. And so you can do things that you don't want to do and still be in an authentic place. So before I let you go, this future hero podcast is called a hero because it takes a hero to do all these things. And like any good story, there are ups and downs and there are moments when the hero is lost. And although I think it's always good to check in with your truth, it's really good to do it if you're feeling lost or unsure. And the way you do it, you don't sit down with a pad and paper. You live your life, and in as many moments as you can, especially if you're working on this type of meditation, you just say, is this me? Is this true to me? Does my, is it, does my truth show up in this anywhere? Is there any part of my truth's image that is reflected in this activity? And if it's not, then perhaps you're being inauthentic. And it might be something that you used to really love doing. And all of a sudden, you're standing there and you just say, is this me? And you realize, no, it's not anymore. And if you can understand it, you let go. You say thank you. And you go back or use that authenticity to take you into the next phase. Wherever you are, is this you? What's your truth? Not your truth, but 
that you cram out of your head, but what's the truth that you live? If you are open, life will show you it. Thank you. Future Hero Podcast. I'm on iTunes. I'm on SoundCloud, Future Hero. If you enjoy this and you want to give me a good rating, that would be fantastic. iTunes loves ratings. Thank you so much for listening. Have a great week.